Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In this, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church in this letter as in 1 Corinthians. And I remind you that it's a church that he ministered in for almost two years. It's a group of people that he loved dearly, a fellowship that he really cared for. But the problem is, in Paul's absence, the church had become carnal. Now, we've talked about carnality. Carnality is just simply our gathering, instead of being worship in spirit and truth, becomes religion. It becomes man's exercise to hook up with God, to please God. It becomes our effort to be something other than what God has made us. And that, that brings up another interesting point. You know, that, that when we strive to be something other than what we think we are, which is a deception, that we are striving to be more than what God has made us to be. You ever think about that? Whenever we literally take on the idea that we can somehow prove ourselves to God, we're striving to become more than what God has made us to be. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote them a letter of correction to kind of guide them in the right direction. And that didn't last very long. Not long after Paul had departed from the Corinthian fellowship, false teachers came in and began to discredit Paul. Most theologians believe these were Judaizers who tried to add to the gospel and define your relationship with the Lord by virtue of what you could do and the law, how you could serve him. And they begin to attack his character, his appearance, his weaknesses. And in fact, in this verse that I read to you last week, in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, it says, For they say his letters are weighty and impressive and forceful and telling, but his personality, his bodily presence are weak, and his speech and delivery are utterly contemptible, of no account. I mean, all of us have been on the receiving end of that kind of judgment and criticism. We aspire to be accepted by our fellow man, to have the favor of man. And yes, even a minister, he wants to know that the congregation is being pleased by him and, and that they are impressed with his ability to minister to them. He wants that, but that's not the goal. The problem is, that when we internalize criticisms, we begin to back away from the truth of who we are. We have to see ourselves according to the flesh in order to embrace criticism. We do. Because anything that you might say against my flesh is really of no account. Because the flesh is not who I am. Who I am is who Christ made me to be, and it's in the center of me, and it is animating this, this earth suit. That's who I am. But Paul, he has to respond to these accusations, not to protect his pride, but that the message that he brought to them, the teaching, 
the discipling that he did, wouldn't be discredited because of his, quote, weaknesses. It's not about Paul. It's a message. So the truth of the situation is that the Corinthian believers have forgotten who they were. They begin to see themselves according to the flesh, you know. In order to see others according to the flesh, you must see yourself that way. Because you have to have a point of comparison. If I'm going to reject you according to the flesh, then I've made some judgments about myself according to the flesh. That almost sounds like a verse, something like, judge not, lest you be judged. Well, it has its truth. The flesh will condemn you. I'm not talking about other people. They will do that too. But if you make judgments, the flesh will condemn you. So, the criticisms of the false teacher had moved, teachers had moved the focus of these believers, and this is dangerous in a church, it moved the focus of the believers from Jesus to Paul. It's very dangerous. From Jesus to the flesh of man. So now you see the wisdom of God in Paul's response to their criticism. We went over this last week. In effect, what he does, he doesn't defend himself. In effect, what he does is he agrees with them. You know, they said, you know, you don't speak well. You're weak. You know, you don't have a good presence. You're all, you're all powerful in the, in the written word. But in person, you're really not much to look at. You're not much to listen to. And he says, you know, you're right. That's all true. And he starts out in verse 6. He says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and, the, and glory of God, as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Where is it manifest? Where is it revealed? Jesus Christ. Yeah, but we were talking about you, Paul. However, he says, we possess this treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth. Why? That the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. And when he says not from ourselves, he's speaking of our humanity. That the exceeding greatness of God might be shown as from the Spirit of God, not from this mortal veil, not from this flesh that you call Paul. Paul might say to his accusers, why are you talking about this jar of clay, this vessel of earth? Are you blind to the treasure that has been poured out before you? What treasure? The revelation of Christ. Don't look at vessel it doesn't have any value don't look at the vessel but since you are so intent on looking at the cracks why don't you look at what the cracks are revealing the content my strength is made perfect in your weakness look at the treasure within well what are you talking about Paul? i'm saying that this miserable piece of flesh has carried out the treasure of Christ across the known world. This vessel has carried the treasure of Christ from place to place. It has endured persecution without number. 
It has endured conflicts without number. It has started churches. It has founded all manner of groups of believers. It has done all of this in the name of Christ. It has stood boldly before the Sanhedrin. It has stood boldly before the courts of the Gentiles. It has marched forward in the face of death and destruction, not wavering, not ever quitting, always going forward in the name of Christ. Look at what has been poured out of this weak, frail vessel. That's what I'm saying. I'm not telling you the pot's good looking. I'm not looking for any value in the pot. We get so caught up in that, don't we? Particularly nowadays. It's all about presentation, right? Well, Jesus showed up in a manger. How about that? There were lights and there was music. But it wasn't studio quality, it was heaven quality. Don't look at the vessel, look at the contents. You see, the treasure is not in my weakness. The treasure is not in my weakness. It's in the strength of his life being revealed. Power is revealed in weakness. God will reveal the power within through the weakness without. So what does that mean for us? That means we need to stop our whining. I'm including myself, yes. We need to stop our whining and complaining. We need to stop our trying to control and get everything just so. We need to stop all of this effort to try to create this illusion of strength. And we need to stand in the truth that He is our strength. Because that revelation only comes with weakness. We don't fall where we're weak. We fall where we're strong. So, he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'm going to boast about it. You bet I'm ugly. You should see my back when the Jews got through with it. You bet I don't speak well. I can hardly stand to listen to myself. You bet I don't deliver well. And I'm not very charismatic. And I'm probably the last person you want to talk to at a party. Yes, all of that is true. And you know what? God chose me. He chose me. In verses 8 and 9, Paul gives an overview of the hardships of his life. He says, we're hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. His weakness, Paul's weakness, Christ's strength. Paul's weakness, Christ's strength. Paul's weakness, Christ's strength. Sit down and write your weaknesses out and then wait for the revelation of his strength. What has been inflicted on this earthly vessel, this earthen vessel uh, called Paul, this weak, frail bit of baked earth, 
what has come against it should have destroyed it. He shouldn't have made the first pass. He should have been destroyed on the trail. He should have been sunk at sea. He should have been beaten to death a hundred times over. He should have been afraid. He should have run in fear. He should have quit in despair at the rejection of even the Christian people. He should be a quivering mess in the corner of somewhere, in a fetal position, looking for for some kind of, of, of compensation, something that'll that'll give him some sense of peace in life. That's what he should have been. He should have given up the whole thing, frail piece of earth. But no, because his strength was never in that frail earth. It's in the life of Christ within him that doesn't turn back, doesn't quaver, quiver, doesn't, doesn't waver in the face of, of persecution. What had been inflicted on this vessel should have destroyed it, but it only revealed its contents. In every suffering, there is a revelation of the strength of the life within. I know this to be true. In every suffering, there is a revelation of the strength of the life within. Even in the people that are for the most part unbelieving, I find that when they, when they were, are willing to allow that revelation to dawn on them just for a moment, they'll say, you know, yeah, but God has been with me. God has been with me. And then they completely shut the door again. But you don't know how I've suffered. We move our focus from the grandeur of the contents to the frailty of the vessel. Lord, please deliver the frail vessel. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. The life that Paul lived in the body did not live in the strength of the body, but by faith. So then in verses 10 and 11, Paul gives the significance of his suffering. In verse 10, he writes, So that the resurrection life, I suffer so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies. Let Jesus be seen in the cracks. And in verse 11, he writes, that the resurrection life of Jesus may be evidenced through our flesh, which is liable to death. The eternal, indestructible life of Christ is revealed in the frailty of flesh. That's why we're still here. We, you know, Christians have such a man-centered view of their Christian walk. That it's all about what that flesh does and how that flesh looks and how that flesh serves and how that flesh performs, how long that flesh is going to live and how healthy is that flesh and all of these things. But you know that we're here. We're not here to survive. We're not here for the peace of this earth. We're not here to prosper in this earth. And I know that would step on a lot of toes. We're here in these frail vessels in order that the majesty, the glory, the indestructible resurrection life of Christ may be shown forth. And it is best illustrated in contrast to this weakness. That's why we're here. Otherwise, what would be the point? Get them on out. But God is glorified. God is, is magnified. As the glory of Him and the strength of Him and the truth of Him shows forth through the cracks. And all my life, in every difficulty of my life, 
in every hardship that I've known, and I haven't known anything like Paul has, I've seen the glory, the salvation, the deliverance, the beauty of my God. That's why I'm here. I got cracks, but I need them. I need them. I need them so that you understand that the vessel's not me. Quit fighting the cracks, folks. Quit looking to the world to send you something to dab in the holes. Recognize that the treasure is within. The eternal, indestructible life of Christ is revealed in the frailty of flesh. We are here to show evidence of man's need for life. And to learn to live from the inside out. You know, you can't live from the inside out if everything outside is so pleasurable that you never turn inside. That brings us to verse 12. Paul writes, Thus death is actively... Doesn't take a break. Death never takes holiday, right? Is actively at work in us, but it is in order that our life may be actively at work in you. It's ongoing. See, the veil has been rent for you so that you may see and know the presence behind it. The veil of this flesh, Paul says, is rent that you may see the presence and the glory of God. Death is the revelator for all men. Paul is writing to Christians here. He's writing to Christians. Christians who had begun to define life by the body. That's why death is an ugly word for most people. But I want to tell you something. Every one of you, death has no part in your life. The body's going to see it. But death has no part to play in your life. Why? Because the life you have is eternal. Death has already been defeated in your life. He writes to them to say that my weakness illustrates that life is never to be defined by flesh, whether whether by its strengths or by its weaknesses. Life should never, ever be defined by flesh. We move to verse 13. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I have believed, and therefore have I spoken. We too believe, and therefore we speak. In spite of all that comes against me, I stand, because I believe. The faith of those who have found God faithful. The faith of the psalmist. The faith of those who stood and declared the truth of their God in the face of all that would assault their faith. I have that faith. So Paul quotes Psalm 116, verse 10. I want to read to you what was written by the psalmist prior to verse 10 all the way through. It's a beautiful psalm. I love the Lord because he has heard me and now hears me. And now hears my voice and my supplications. He's listening to me because he's inclined his ear to me. Listens closely. He's drawn near to me. Therefore, I will call him upon him as long as I live. There's no greater place than to be in communion with him. 
You know, the cords and sorrows of death were around me, and the terrors of Shiloh, the place of the dead, had laid hold of me. I suffered anguish and grief, trouble and sorrow, and then I called upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech you, save my life, deliver me. Gracious is the Lord, and rigidly righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I'm no theologian. I'm not brilliant. I'm just a man. And yet God preserves me. I'm valuable to him. I was brought low. He helped and saved me. So, return to your rest, O my soul, mind, will, and emotion. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my life from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling and falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, trusted in, relied on, and clung to my God. And therefore, I have spoken, even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. Determination of the soul. The psalmist begins by talking about the trouble that's come against him. These are real troubles. These are real difficulties. The threat of death, the loss of every comfort, the anxiety that is mounted over him, despairing, hopeless. And he begins to call out. He begins to make remembrance of his God. He declares the truth over his circumstances. Over his soul. Did God come in at that moment and just deliver him right then? No. He recognized the presence of his deliverer. And the God who has kept him. So he says to his soul. That's your mind, will and emotions. Shh. Be still. Be still and know he is God. I love my Lord. He listens to me. Even though I am weak and a simple man. He leans low to hear my every word. Beautiful psalm. He says, if no one listens or no one hears, if they all forsake me, if they ridicule or mock me, if they persecute or seek my life, my faith never leaves me. Therefore, I will speak. Paul writes, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. Because I have believed, perfect tense, I believed. I have become a believer. I must declare. I'm not uncertain. Because of his life in me, I am believing. You know, faith is not a matter of emotion. Believing is not a matter of emotion. There are times when doubt and fears will assail the soul in such a way that you don't think you could scratch together even the belief of his existence based on what you're feeling. But you shout it out. My God is with me. He is my life. He attends my every step. He is my peace. Not the circumstances. Not my emotions. Not even my judgments concerning the things that surround me. He is my peace. We have to step back and say to the soul, Shh, be still. You have faith. And you believe Because you're believers. I'm not uncertain. I am believing. Verse 14. Assured that he who raised up.
the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. Paul declares his confidence. He says, I believe and I speak because I am certain. I have put my trust in my God. Never judge the end by the beginning. There are a lot of things going on in your life and in my life that if I take it from the beginning and look at it, I would say, oh, gosh, I'm very anxious about how all this is going to turn out. I don't know how in the world this is all going to work. I don't know what's going to happen with all this. Oh, friend, your judgments are not your circumstances. The trouble that you see is not a trouble for God. You are there because he has placed you there. You walk in the path that he has made before you, and all things work together for your good. So you turn to your soul and you say, shh. I will not judge the end by the beginning. I will reckon upon the grace and mercy of my God. Now think about what he says. The same God that raised Jesus will raise us. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.